This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app. You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpaths. That's paths with an S. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm Jackie P. I'm John T. So today we're going to do our second episode in our series on um, how to um, work with kids when you're in recovery, work with your own kids when you're in recovery and trying to uh, repair or make amends or make up for and do things differently. And then in today's episode, we're going to focus on kids from zero to five. We're Mm -hmm. going to break this up into ages. So I think we're doing four age groups. Yes. Zero to five, five to teenage, teenagers and adult children. I think we are doing like... Yeah. Anyway, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Stay tuned. (laughs) You'll hear. You don't need to listen to us figure it out. Right. Um, So today we're going to focus on zero to five. um, And uh, I don't know that we have a whole cohesive narrative here, just kind of some maybe do's and don'ts. Mm -hmm. Um, Based on our experience, Jackie and I have both raised kids um, up to five years old. Mm -hmm. So we have some experience there and also our experience in working with clients with kids this age. Mm -hmm. Um, And there will be some things, right, that we talk about that is true in every stage. It'll just look different. We'll talk about how that particular skill looks for the zero to five versus your older teens. Yeah. Um, Along those lines, I would would bring up the first thing to keep in mind with kids from zero to five and any any kids. Brains are plastic Mm -hmm. and they're plastic throughout a lifetime. So Mm Um, I think there can be a lot of fear with parents, and that's why this is a hard thing to look at, is I've done irreparable damage. Right. Um, we may always see some scars, and uh-huh. we may always see some traces, but that doesn't mean that damage doesn't get repaired right. in the brain. And I also want to point out, I think I've said this before on this podcast when maybe we were talking about trauma, um, because, you know, as a mom, I know moms live with this inordinate amount of mother guilt. Mm-hmm. And... and the research is clear. I've seen it. Sometimes I struggle with it myself, but the research is pretty clear that moms from the get-go, right, in the womb, the mom's emotional state is impacting mm-hmm. that developing fetus and then that developing infant, all mm-hmm. of those kinds of things. And and so before moms just like, you know, go down in shame or surrender, I, I want to say I think a lot of times we like to talk about this individually, like, well, that mom or this mom, instead of even broadening it out and looking more at the whole social construct yeah. and the fact that we don't treat women very well yeah. and we do not offer support that is necessary for young families mm-hmm. because these are really hard years. Yeah. Yeah. So this, any anything we talk about in the do's and don'ts, this isn't a commentary on your relationship and your behavior mm-hmm. specifically. There's a wider societal construct from from here and and i would say this is where knowing other parents in recovery Mm -hmm. can be so helpful because a lot of things can get normalized right meaning like we we can feel there's so many times when i talk to clients and they're like my kids are experiencing this and i know it's due to my addiction and i'm like well i think all kids experience that right right. um so there can be a lot of normalizing there can be a lot of support there too Uh Um, you know, I, I think there's few people like recovering people who understand the need to make recovery and sobriety a priority uh-huh. and to need support in that. So. And like we say at the end of every episode in the uh, Prayer of Perfection, um, we're looking for progress, not perfection, yep. right? And that was a mantra for me as a younger mom 
with younger kids, like to just feel like I don't have to do it perfectly the first time. Yeah. Going back and saying, hey, I need to circle back with you and apologize. Mm -hmm. Or, hey, I was really stressed and you probably felt that and I need to take that back from you. Like that is absolutely doable like that yeah. that absolutely works right so yeah. just that mantra again of progress not perfection you don't have to do it right the first time yeah um so we're only talking about this because things can change mm -hmm. and things can change on a fundamental level mm -hmm. so what you do after the fact will make just as much of a difference as what you did during addiction right um so I would say the first thing for me to talk about is remembering with kids from zero to five, just because they aren't verbal doesn't mean that they're not picking up on what's going on. Right. And I think it requires a big step from parents to get back into that mindset or get back into that attunement with this kid processes things primarily emotionally. Uh -huh. um, they pay really close attention to what closeness and distance in relationships right. feel like. And tones, like tones, even if they're not yep. understanding the language or the words, tones mm -hmm. um, really are going to be registering for them. Mm -hmm. So the, the effective approach with a kid from zero to five isn't going to be long conversations and giving them history and right. context. Right. You're not going to get the payoff for what you're doing here for a while. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think really paying attention to how we attune, which is it's a little bit different than attachment. Attunement is being able to read and gauge where another is at and to move into a space that's useful for that person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not uncommon for us to see in little kids in addicted systems that you can be very anxious. Mm hmm um, and so as we recognize the, the price or the toll that addiction has done in our own life and we see some of our kids' anxiety come up, it might be very, very important for you to become a very attentive parent around that anxiety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, I think the tendency for, for me, at least as a parent, is you push them out of the nest just as soon as they can fly. Mm. Um, that you can do this on your own, you, like uh -huh. that empowering thing. If there's a Which is good. It's very good. I well, because I do it. Of course, it's really good. No. Um, I think you want to balance that with why might this kid be anxious and what kind of security do they need to develop with me before they're ready to go out on their right. own. And sometimes uh, when I'm doing presentations, I will give this example. Like, let's say you've got a two-year-old running down the sidewalk, a two-year-old male, right? Little boy running down the sidewalk. He falls. He skins his knee. He's crying. What's our typical response to a male two-year-old, Right. Get up, man. You're all right. Yes. Like, you're tough. Jump up, bud. You're okay. Right? A lot of times what we are doing to that little boy is saying, you don't need relationships, mm -hmm. and you've got this on your own. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if we change that gender of the child and say this is a two-year-old little girl running down the sidewalk, same thing, falls, skins her knee, what are we likely to do to that two-year-old girl? There's a lot of, oh, my gosh, are yeah. you okay? Come what do you here. Need? Do you need a mm -hmm. hug? Let me see. Um, and... And so what we're telling her, right, we are socially conditioning her that you need relationships and you need to go to them. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so I think you've got to look at this and say, two-year-olds need relationships. Yes. It doesn't matter. The, I mean, so do 20-year-olds, right? But we're talking about zero to five. Like, boys are not stronger or need less emotional connection and attachment than females do. Mm -hmm. They're socialized, and, and many of them will believe that because mm -hmm. they've been taught that since they can remember. Mm -hmm. um, but we've got to start to 
change those messages and 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 uh, create some healthy attachments for children regardless of gender. Yeah. This this can be a really difficult <clears throat> place, I think, for a lot of parents in recovery to go because one of the things you brought up, um, Jackie, as we were preparing for this episode is that um, I am witnessing firsthand with my kids a reliving of all of my best and worst moments as right? a child. Right, right. Um, and it can be... It can be nerve-wracking. Um, like my my oldest right now, he's in third grade and he's navigating friendships, and he's not one of the popular kids. Mm. Like he's not real into sports, he's not real coordinated, and that's what the popular kids do. So mm. I'm watching him navigate these other friendships, and it reminds me so much of me. Mm. And there's a piece of me that's like, all right, like I'm not a sports guy, but we are going to train you to do this so that you don't have the experience that I had. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important as parents that we need to back off of what our own story is right. with our kids. Because we can unconsciously um, project our childhood and our childhood wounds onto our children. I think especially in recovery, as we become more aware of what those wounds are. Uh-huh. In active addiction, there's a lot of like, well, this is just the way that I need to parent. There may not even be an awareness of where that parenting comes from for us. Yeah. Recovery brings that. So we may have a, a heightened awareness of how sensitive we are to rejection. Uh-huh. We may have a heightened awareness of how our relationship with our parents affected us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be paralyzing to us, and it's going to be stilting to our kids to put that all on the relationship mm-hmm. with our kids. And and so in your example, right, it would be easy for you to be like, I know exactly what, what my son is feeling right mm-hmm. now, right? But you don't. Right. Because your son feels like he belongs at home. Yeah. He feels like he matters. He feels like he's important. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't your home experience. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's a different experience. And and yeah. so if you were to be like, oh, my gosh, I've got to fix this and I've got to do this and sign him up and, you know, get trainers or whatever, because I know how that feels. Yeah. Now you're projecting your childhood onto his childhood. You know, it's interesting when he was probably, he had to have been like five or six and, um, he and his younger brother, they're really, really physical with each other. Um, and that's not ever anything I did with my brother. If we got physical, it's because we wanted to do damage. Like mm. somebody was going to get hurt. So like they'll wrestle and they'll like poke each other and they'll bug each other. And I would say 90% of the time it's not malicious. Like mm. It's just fun for them. And so I remember he was, he, it felt like he was way too young to say this to me, but I was breaking up one of their tussles and I just said, this always heads to a bad place. Stop it. And, my oldest looks at me and he says, just because you didn't have a good relationship with your brother doesn't mean I can't have a good one with my brother. And he basically said, like, back off. <laughs> this is good for us. Right? <laughs> right? And I was, I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> you get to be in charge of this here. Um, so I think it's really important to have that awareness of where we might be impacted there. Uh-huh. Um, and, and to know the difference between working through our issues and trying to work through our issues through our children. Yeah. Because the truth is you'll never resolve it through your children. Right. Um, you'll resolve it as you work on yourself. Right. I was talking with a client earlier this week, and he has a newborn baby. Um, so this is his third child. and But it's been a while. Like, there's a big gap between number two and number three. And, you know, he, he was just saying, he was in with his wife, and he said... I like when it's my baby when when it's my turn to do baby duty and he said and I'm holding her and she's fussy and he's like I I can't I can't handle it like and I know my wife needs a break or she needs to sleep or whatever and he's like 
but internally, I mean, he's like, it's not like I'm rough or abusive at all with the infant, you know, he's like, but internally I am dying. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't know what to do about that. Like I cannot deal with her crying. So we kind of talked like, is it a colicky cry, which can, you know, is it all the time? Like what is going on here? And it really isn't about the baby and the cry. Right. Mm -hmm. So then we're like, okay, let's break this down for you. Cause if it's not really about the baby and her crying, what, like what's happening for you. Right. And, and where we came to and how we broke it down, you know, he was the youngest in his family, um, of, of many children. And so there was a lot of abandonment and neglect and nobody held his emotions with him. Mm. He was on his own to deal with them. Right. And so as this baby is struggling what comes up for him is I know what this is yeah. and I can't, I can't hold her pain because I, I've been running from mine mm-hmm. and you know, and, and so we kind of talked about some strategies of like, how for you, can you a recognize this is not your childhood. She's living and you know, she's not the youngest of many children and, and she's got very attentive parents. Um, and, and so how can you separate that out and, then hold her pain mm-hmm. and soothe her and comfort her, you know, because obviously she's picking up on his distress too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how can you kind of take some deep breaths and get your childhood out of that and then be there and hold this infant's uncomfortableness? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's a task of parenthood, regardless of whether there's addiction or not. Right. Um, I really love what Joseph Campbell says about the task of the parent. And this can certainly be taken in a really extreme direction, but I think it's a beautiful image. He says, our job is to put our life, like our, our life is no longer the priority. Our life serves to protect this little mm, life mm-hmm. and to let it grow. And I think that there's a lot in parenthood of giving our kids good attunement, good enough attunement where we're setting aside for now what the issue is for me in the moment. Mm-hmm because this is going on with mm-hmm. you. But that also means on the back end, we have to come back around to what that issue is for us. Mm-hmm. And we may need to talk to our partner. We may need to talk to our therapist. We may need to talk to our support groups about what came up for us. Mm-hmm. And that allows us to let that child have their needs and have their experience mm-hmm. without us getting overwhelmed by it. Yeah. I was listening to um, a podcast with Gabor Mate on it. Uh, he was talking, he was a guest, and um, I love him. I love his work. I think it's brilliant. And uh, he was talking about, he he takes a very uh, trauma, he's a physician, mm-hmm. but he takes a very trauma approach to seeing everything. Everything that can possibly go wrong, really he sees through the trauma lens. And and he was talking about how we are seeing children younger and younger um, sync their their brains just sync up with kids their age yeah and the parental influence is lost yeah and um and the person who was doing the podcast asked him like is this something that happens like in the teens and he's like no younger yeah right and i i think sometimes during the zero to five years it can be um i've said before these are hard years right i mean there's not a lot of interaction that's meaningful or satisfying um, there are moments, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not going to have great conversations. And even some no. of the questions they ask, you're like, what is, that's crazy, right? <laughs> and yet, if if you maybe ask them some questions, I, I remember during these years being surprised at how much my kids were picking up yeah. and, and how much they 
did kind of understand some things, you know, nowhere near where they are today as adults and young adults. But um, I was just surprised. Like they, they were smarter than I thought they were, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so I think again, how how you approach this? Are you letting go of your power of influence in their life? And how's that going to look when we hit the teen years, yeah. right? Or the ten and twelve? Or are we are we setting this up so that I am a safe and valuable resource, yeah. and I have influence? And we always keep in mind in recovery, we're moving from a closed system to an open system. Mm-hmm. So we're really opening that with with the kids. And you you mentioned something about them um, attuning to kids their own age, right? And the influence of the parents is is lost. Um, this is something, again, we'll see at every age. I think between siblings, when there's instability in the marriage or instability in the relationship or instability in the, the parent, um, siblings will bind together um, to protect each other uh-huh. and provide for each other. And that's one of those dynamics. I have a family that I'm working with right now where the mom had a lot of conversations with her kids as they were growing up. It's not your job to take care of me. It's not your job to take care of your siblings. She did a really good job at explicitly stating, here's where the boundary needs to be. Um, their, their kids are all adults now, and they've started to open this, like, addiction was part of our family, mm-hmm. and now we're ready to, to, mom and dad are ready to heal from this. Like, let's work on this. And her adult daughter, her, her adult middle daughter came to her in tears after mom and dad talked about this and said, I'm really sad that my little sister needs this. I thought I protected her better. Mm. Um, so we'll see that protection dynamic mm-hmm. going on. And what we don't want to do in recovery is jump in and say, this protection dynamic ends. Mm-hmm. You guys don't do this anymore. What we really want to work on is an alternative. We have to respect the system our kids built to survive mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we want to work on as, as the parent, as the caregiver, as the couple, we want to work on an alternative system of mm-hmm. safety. Mm-hmm. Because really what that brings into that kid's life is an additional resource. That relationship with their sibling, is it could serve them through the rest of their life. Yeah. So imagine how much that effect is amplified when the parents also are very safe and protective. Right, right. Um, so there's going to be some dynamics that you'll see with your kids where you're like, that seems kind of off. Like, that's my job. Uh-huh. Um, and we, I think we have to roll with some of that. We can't go back to, well, it would be ideal if. Right. Um, we have to roll with some of that and, and look at what are the assets that are available? What does it cost us to have those assets? Uh-huh. And how can we enhance that? Uh-huh. I'm also thinking, um, I think this is in Gabor Mate's book, like, hold on to your children or is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, and, and he really talks about during these like zero to five years, you know, he talks about how we're a punitive parenting system Mm -hmm. and, and he's like in like children, like they, their brains don't know better and we're punishing for them for things that they simply cannot understand and don't know how to do better. Yeah. And, and was saying kind of looking at that and, and looking at that as teaching opportunities Mm -hmm. and, and then understanding like what their emotions are, where those are coming from, and then helping them regulate those. Yeah. That that's what punishment needs to be. You know, sending them into timeout is not teaching them that. Yeah. I, I like the term discipline a lot better than punishment because discipline comes from the root disciple, which mm-hmm. means learning to follow. Right. Um, and I think there's a lot of space with your kids from zero to five where you can start practicing and modeling recovery principles. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to sit down with them and say, here's the 12 steps and here's the 12 traditions and this is how it guides things. Right. But you start modeling amends. 
you start modeling accountability. Uh-huh. You start modeling self-care and you practice with them. So if if you're working in a recovery program and your sponsor is always saying to you, easy does it, um, and that's helping you, how do you model that with your kids? Right. You know, when it, I don't think it's uncommon for little people to be really frustrated with not being able to perform in this world the way that they think they should be able mm-hmm. to perform. And so how do you model that? Like, we'll get there. You're learning. Right, right. Um, or to express what they're feeling intensely but may not have the vocabulary mm-hmm. to express, right? I, I remember with multiple, most of my kids, when we went to timeout, and I hated this because I would have liked, like, they go in timeout and I get to be somewhere else, right? right. <laughs> That's really what I wanted. But instead, when they went to timeout, me or their dad had to go with them. Mm-hmm. Right, because otherwise they banged the door. They'd come out. They like it would just escalate. Right, so we would have to go in the room. We didn't get a timeout yet, <laughs> so we'd have to go in the room and shut the door. And a lot of times, I mean, it it just varied on what we had to do, what mm-hmm. mood they were in. Right, but we were in the room with them. We were kind of getting out of some of the other stimulation of maybe the other siblings, and and usually I'd you know I might like. I might start humming or I made sure to have a more gentle tone. Um, A lot of times it ended with me kind of them laying on their bed and me kind of just rubbing Mm -hmm. their back um, and not really talking about what they did wrong or just like just regulating that. But being Mm -hmm. in the room sometimes where they're, you know, kicking me, kicking the closet. Okay. Like that's how you're trying to get all this intense energy out. Yeah, everything credible that I've read on the function of discipline and timeout has been it's to assist them in regulating, mm-hmm. not to punish it or to teach a lesson. Like some stuff I've even read is after the timeout is executed, we don't have to go back and rehash. Right, right. Like we just get regulated and then we go on. Right, because simply what we're teaching them is how to manage those intense emotions that come. Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. They, they don't they don't have that skill yeah. so to rehash that with a brain that doesn't even have that skill yeah that's not teaching them the skill that that that's I think more for the parent feeling like okay we've closed this loop right. because unless we've had a good conversation <laughs> that somebody feels crappy afterward we haven't parented yes. I used to joke too because sometimes we tried counting right like you need to sit there and and till we count to 10 right and often that's how my kids learned to count to like a hundred right because <laughs> right? <laughs> right? if we get to 10 and they'd be like what's next Right, and I'm like, well, I didn't really think that the purpose was to learn our numbers, but since you're sitting there, let's right. go to 11 to 20. Right. I really like the resources by Daniel Siegel, mm-hmm. um, the Whole Brain Child. Um, he's got books and workbooks, and I think there's even a podcast now, Whole Brain mm-hmm. Child, that really talks about this, helping your kids learn how to regulate and integrate um, their right. emotions. Right. Um, one of the other points that... Um, I think is important to get to, you've talked a lot about this too, Jackie, is not to overindulge because of guilt. Right. And this looks a lot of different ways at different ages. I think from zero to five, that overindulging can look like um, I'll indulge a tantrum with a treat or a reward Mm -hmm. to get you to be quiet. Which we're setting up, not to put guilt out there or shame, but we're setting up an addiction, right? Right. If, If I feel very intensely, I need chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think as, as a parent, when we can think of all of the times that we left them in distress and we couldn't get into their world because we were in our own stuff too deep, um, we can really look at bringing in outside comfort and objects mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. to relate to the child mm-hmm. rather than using the relationship to the relate relate to the child. And I would say, you know, as a as a veteran of the zero to five years, um, there's a whole lot of times I can look at times where my kids were upset, and I know I played a role in it. Right, right. Like I've never I've never parented a kid before. Uh-huh. Of course, I got a lot of things wrong, and so that that can be another place where that parental guilt comes up mm-hmm. is just that. Well, I didn't know what to do then, and I I caused this, right. so I've got to do something to make it right. And and pointing out right in an addiction in an addictive system, that is addiction, mm-hmm. right? When I'm feeling something uncomfortable, I turn to an external mm-hmm. um, object or thing to make me feel better temporarily. And and I would say the like notice Jackie didn't say relationship there. I think right. that's totally a valid skill for regulating ourselves is to turn to safe relationships yes. to do that. I mean, right. That's what 12 steps is getting mm-hmm. after. That's mm-hmm. what, um, therapy, you know, like l- let's have a connection that's authentic and real and that mm-hmm. you can, we, like we can replicate without self-sabotage, mm-hmm. um, instead of a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so again, just like we do in the beginning parts of addiction, we start to shift that away from going externally to yeah. fi- fix your internal stuff. Yeah. That's that's zero to five, right? Those are skills yeah. that we're learning at the beginning. Yeah, and I, I, for me, I needed rituals around doing that with my kids when I was feeling guilt. Um, that did a couple of things. Like first, it helped me to know there's a plan to get from A to B here. Uh-huh. And my kids knew that was the plan too. So when I initiated the ritual... We both shifted into like this is the calming down ritual, or this is the coming together ritual, um, or this is the making amends ritual. Um, and then again, we have to go and deal with the guilt that we have. It's not mm-hmm. like we can just sidestep that and show up and be an awesome parent. Mm-hmm. We have to circle back with a partner, with a therapist, with a support mm-hmm. group to deal with what that guilt right. is. That- because we have to let our kids know that I can deal with my own guilt mm-hmm. so that our kids trust us to help them deal with their own guilt. Yeah. Yeah, when they feel that pile on from us, from our guilt leftovers, mm-hmm. they tend to stop coming to us. Right, and and they're not going to deal with their own guilt. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to pile it on to somebody else, too. Mm-hmm. I think part of what we, um, what we also put in the family system when we're not responding out of guilt and not overindulging out of guilt is we're really showing that living within our limits and what an important principle that is mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. us. That's one of the tenets of, of recovery that... You aren't going to sit down and draw it out with your kid and they're going to understand it, but you're going to model it Mm -hmm. Um, and they're going to feel what it, they're going to feel the safety that comes from sticking to your time budget Mm -hmm. or your financial budget. So there were times, you know, I came from a family of yellers and I would not say I'm necessarily a yeller. Um, I just, like if I yell, I, I end up coughing and hacking and like I just biologically i'm not a yeller right You're not equipped for the joys of yelling <laughs> i'm not and uh um but there were times with my kids right during those years i mean i just think they're hard years and there were times when actually i did feel just like there were some days that i'm just like i just want to scream uh-huh. right and i would yeah but i would tell my kids like you know what i i just need to scream and I don't need to scream at anybody. Like, I'm not mad at you guys, but I'm just going to scream. And if you want to scream with me, you can, right? And uh-huh. the first time they kind of just watched me like, <laughs> what is this? Um, and sometimes they would join in with me, right? And sometimes they double check. But you're not screaming at us, right? Nope, I'm not screaming uh-huh. at you. I just need to scream and get it out. And I would just, 
I wouldn't say any words when yeah. I screamed. I just screamed, you know, and they were just like, I think they thought it was very entertaining and, yeah. and somewhat curious. Be- but it was a way of saying like, yeah, sometimes you just need to release that. Yeah. Don't project it at somebody. Yeah. Now adding in the words and especially the swears, I think that's more of a five to 10 thing <laughs> that we do with our kids. My kids are learning about swear words and it is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I love it. Um, the last point that I would put in here, the last point I have is that uh, if you have chosen to stay together and to keep your relationship I think it's really, really important to protect the marriage system mm-hmm. and protect the coupleship. Mm-hmm. Um, and a- again, I think that's just solid parenting advice. Um, kids take a lot of bandwidth and they take a lot of focus and a lot of energy. And um, I think kids are benefited when the systems that are in place to provide care for them are working well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that means even in that we're repairing the family stage, we still have to have our priorities. It goes me my relationship with my significant other, and then my children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, continuing your work on the coupleship, continuing to support each other, like you mentioned the, the timeout tag team strategy at the mm-hmm. pack house, like that kind of stuff I think is what allows us to be on solid footing um, in order to parent. And so mm-hmm. if, if you're parenting singly, that means your recovery system is really important to mm-hmm. you or your friendships mm-hmm. are really important to you. And those need to be tended to. And I would use the word protected right? because we also know that little kids are leeches and they will take every resource from you without thinking twice about right. it. And still not think it's enough. Right. <laughs> right. And so we do have to be protective of mm-hmm. that. Um, and I, I think that models... I think that models good relationships and good self-care for our kids, too. I used to say to my husband when we were first married, I would say, I think one of the greatest gifts that parents can give their kids is to love each other. Mm -hmm. And he was always like, that's strange. (laughs) Um, And I, I would be like, well, yeah, but your parents loved each other. Like, and, and mine didn't. Mm -hmm. And, and he'd just be like, but how did that affect me? Like, I don't get why, like, I don't feel like it's a gift. I, I'd like a couple thousand dollars, right? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and, and with time, I think he has figured that out. And, um, and, and I would say maybe our marriage has even surpassed his parents. And, and he sees kind of what our kids get from our relationship mm-hmm. um, because we work on that and have boundaries mm-hmm. around that. And, and I think he wouldn't be stumped at, as a, at a statement like that anymore and just be mm-hmm. like, no, I get that. I, and I think that's important. Mm-hmm. You know, the Gottmans talk about how one of the, the biggest times where people exit marriage is when kids enter the scene. Mm-hmm. And this is in non-addicted marriages too. So I think learning how to navigate our relationship mm-hmm. separate from our relationship with our kids is really, yes. really key. And I just want to add this cause I just thought of it, but, um, Sometimes you get this dynamic, right, where it's husband and wife, and then they have the first kid, and all of a sudden, usually it's the husband that now is jealous with all the time it's wife true. is sp- spending with the I baby. I experienced that. <laughs> and I just want to say, for in that situation, as the husband, you need to be aware that is coming from your childhood. Mm-hmm. Because... An infant is not competition to you. No. And this is a necessary, this is again where we need to, you know, be kind to women in the task that they're given, especially with infants and toddlers, um, and understand the importance of that and support young families. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the husband to understand what whatever jealousy is coming up in this, that's my childhood issue yeah. and what I didn't get. And I'm seeing that given to my infant and 
and I'm connecting with the pain of what I didn't get. Yeah. Yeah. I think that does it for what I've got. Okay. Anything else? We're good. Okay. So we want to remind you at the end of this episode that your story matters. Remember, there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story until it's finished. You can share your story with us on our Facebook page, Healing Paths, Inc., or on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I'm learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to re- to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.